head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 302 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Darren Fletcher of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about... Probably the best card uh, on paper, the best card in practice that we'll see this year. Hopefully I'm wrong, actually. Hopefully there's a better one. But this was pretty good last night from start to finish. Three of maybe, well, two of the most newsworthy title fights we'll see in a year and one, I suppose, that we all expected to go the way it went. But uh, we shall get to that in uh, in due course. But today we must tell you that... The podcast is presented by our friends over at Manscaped. Are you feeling lucky this St. Patrick's Day? I know I am, thanks to Manscaped, the global leaders in below the waist grooming. They sponsor this show to ensure that the best tools uh, for your ball trimming or ritual are available. If you plan on getting lucky this St. Patrick's Day, then you might use the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free international shipping. And I know myself and Graham uh, have been using Manscaped for a good while now. It's coming up on six months and absolutely phenomenal. I was talking to a couple of people the other day who use it as well, and they were telling me their products are absolutely brilliant and they use them all the time. So it's fantastic. And those mints, I'm telling you, those mints are addicted to them. If you're, yeah. if you're getting an order, train the mints. I'm yeah, in, in fairness, like, I actually haven't heard one bad um, review <laughs> from people going on Manscaped, uh, buying buying all the different things. Everybody seems very happy with it, and obviously free shipping is always uh, always nice, but having 20% on top, yeah. help yourself, help us, help your balls. It's, uh, that is a fact, and the Manscaped Performance Package uh, is, is the way to go, I think. It's the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, included in the new package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer, uh, which we both actually have, and it's absolutely fantastic, because we're getting on in years now. Uh, it's waterproof. It uh, uses the 9000 RPM motored 360-degree uh, rotary uh, blade system. Uh, 79% of partners polled uh, that had long nose hair uh, said it was a major turnoff. So use the tool, get the job done. This bundle includes the lawnmower 3.0 as well. The best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt and body. The third generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade, advanced skin safe technology, and all of that. So you can get your uh, your shamrock shaved into your pubes this St. Patrick's Day. Uh, you and your partner will get lucky, all right, with the Lawnmower 3.0 will showcase that pot of gold like no other. So let's not forget, as well, the famous liquid f- uh, formulas, wh- uh, which I use every day. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop b- Reviver uh, Ball Toner as well, which are absolutely fantastic after the shower. Uh, get the performance package now and receive two free gifts to Mankef Boxers. And the shed travel bag. I know one of the lads has put in an order to get the boxers like every month or something like that, which is 
a good way to go. He's fucking better than me anyway. <laughs> Changing the boxes. But if you want to do that as well, Manscaped have packages to do that and you get them for cheaper. So it's a great way to go. Uh, the performance package is the best value at Manscaped has to offer uh, and it's hot off the shelves. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at Manscaped.com. Every purchase at Manscaped.com goes towards contributing um contributions you made to the testicular cancer society to bring awareness to testicular cancer men's health and early cancer detection so you'll be helping out more than us as well uh so that's it get 20 percent off free shipping to code severe at manscaped.com 20 percent off free shipping with the code severe at manscaped.com the gold at the end of the rainbow with manscaped right graham mr mcdonald yourself what, what should we get to first i was thinking there i was i was outside sitting on the throne well uh, <laughs> they're like which fight will we talk about first we, we i usually i kind of started at the bottom of the car work my up i can't do that this time we have to talk about the title fights i feel like i feel like it's sterling versus yen what do you think is the first one i don't want to bury the lead here graham what, what do you think was the most noteworthy title fight last night well i think like in most pay-per-views um Jan and Adesanya would have been, but yeah, the the, the kind of um, controversy at the end and the fact that it was a really interesting, interesting fight up until that point. It obviously looked like it was uh, it was going Jan's way, and Sterling was tiring. But uh, obviously, that's a, a brutal mistake from from Jan. There. <laughs> like uh, the ref told him he was down, and he just fucking need him in the head anyway. Yeah, it, it was one of those fights where from the very start you were thinking like. Oh, this is this is a little bit more difficult for Yan in the like the the striker, and obviously I'll get to the finish in a second. So, but it's a little bit more difficult than a lot of people thought it would be. But then the second Sterling kind of ate a couple of shots, and Yan made him pay for like the in pocket fighting, you know, where it was where a lot of people thought, including myself, that he'd do a lot of circling on the outside, staying from far out kicking range. But his kicking range kind of brought Yan into a boxing range where he could hit him a few times. Now, if anyone listened to the the betting show and the Q&A, probably, where I talked about the Mohamed Makaev fight, or um, Makaev, uh, Magomed Magomed fight, I, I Makaev on the, on the brain because I just saw him tweeting shit lots of people there. just <laughs> probably started, but... Um, that that uh, Magomed Magomedov fight, the second fight he was uh, Peter Yan was a lot more um, defensive and picking off his shots than he was in in the first fight and as we've seen in previous fights. So Yan can change up the game and can land in ways that aren't like the usual juggernaut go forward jab 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 right hand hurt you type of guy. So that's what he was doing here, and he was powerful enough especially towards the second and third round as you were kind of mentioning there Graham to hurt Sterling and as Sterling got more tired it just looked like he was taking over and Sterling was actually landing some good stuff I thought he fought well in that game he couldn't get his wrestling going at all it felt like I've watched loads of Yan in the last week and you know you did as well Graham and we were talking about the Dodson fight and the way he kind of took him down did okay he wasn't able to hold him down and um uh, Magomed uh, as well 
it, they were reactive takedowns. They were waiting for the guy to come forward, uh, waiting for Yan to come forward, and then taking him down. Whereas Sterling, all of them were kind of trying to force an offensive Very takedown. Very desperate. Yeah. And they got more and more desperate as the as the fight went on, and as I don't know, we, we Yan stuff like ten in a row, and uh, obviously you know uh, Sterling's extremely good on the ground, but I think. I think Jan was stronger than he thought. I think he thought he'd have more success in in that, and he thought it'd be easier to go to. And he definitely didn't give up on it. Like we we've seen guys, you know, when they they don't get a takedown, they just kind of give up on it and get picked apart in the feet. But he he was uh, pretty uh, relentless with his attempts. But they just they were just being easily stuffed and more easily stuffed by Jan as as the the rounds went on. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because obviously we, we get to the finish and stuff. But th- <laughs> this is probably going to end in a rematch. Which I think, if it's not in the apex and if it's in a bigger cage, could help out Sterling a lot and could change the fight. You know, we we look at a fight and one guy is basically dominant over the other, and we're thinking, oh, you know, it's gonna go the same way again. But I I think it could be a different fight if it's in a bigger cage. So I think Sterling will probably be hoping for that. But yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting one. Like yeah, to, as I mentioned there, first round, I'll just start a fast striking. Well, Yan got that. Uh, knocked down, he slammed him on his head and took the first round. In the second round, uh, Yan was landing just the better punches. Aldo, Aljo got a bit of a clinch, uh, which I thought was a good idea, but didn't do much from it. Uh, Aljo was winning on the feet a little bit late, but Yan kind of got a half takedown and hit a load of shots uh, to Aljo towards the end of the round. I think probably took that one as well. I think it was 29-28 after third round. Sterling looked dejected I thought at the start of the third round Jan's boxing was just so much better he was landing these trips you know you mentioned those sloppy takedowns it seems like every time Sterling was going for a takedown Jan had hauled him up get the double underhooks or even one underhook and kicked the legs out from under under him like that clip of uh, Abdulman Abner-Magomedov taking down Habib on the beach which is an absolutely fantastic clip if people haven't seen it Jan was just taking down Sterling like that uh, just non-stop not as close as the first two rounds as well. And then in the fourth round, the <laughs> the illegal knee. Um, it came from, basically, uh, you know, another one like that. Sterling ended up on the ground. Looked desperate. Looked like, like, at one stage, I think it was in probably the fourth round, where Sterling looked like he was out of the fight. It looked like, you know, I, I watched back uh, Nunes versus Anderson, just because it went so quickly, and... Rogan after about fucking 16 seconds or <laughs> no, maybe a bit longer now but he was like this fight's over you know because of the way Anderson was kind of looking um, I thought that to myself and that fight went was like this fight is over the way Sterling was looking okay it might have gone on another couple of minutes or it might have gone even to the end but he wasn't winning from that position but then he did, because Perrian came out, Sterling was clearly a grounded opponent, it wasn't one of these ones where, you know, he almost had a hand off the ground, or he almost had a leg, or he almost had a toe off the ground, whatever it might be, uh, well, not toe, obviously not, but you know what I mean, a knee almost off the ground, he was fully down, the head was there, he was looking at it, the referee warned him, and he still threw the illegally. And now it wasn't one of these ones where, like Kiefer Crosby that time, where he hit your man and he was hamming it up and it was really bad. Aljo definitely hammed it up a bit, but he got hit full on with that knee. His head smashed back on the replay. It looked really bad. Like I, I was saying before I signed the replay, I was like, stay fucking down. Take the disqualification. You're losing this fight. It's gone. You're in the fourth round. You're probably 4 nil down or at the end of this round. you are. There's no way you're winning this fight. Take the win. Stay down. Uh, and he was smart enough, I think, to do that because lots of fighters aren't. We saw, was it Anthony Smith? 
against John Jones was in a similar situation and he got up and he was like, oh, I'd never do that. I was like, well, yeah, fair enough. You're not going to be a fucking champion ever so, you know. But um, I thought Sterling had the wherewithal to do it. He knew what he was doing, but also absolutely deserving of it. Like, to, uh, take nothing away from Sterling. I'm not saying that as a negative thing from Sterling. I'm saying that as a positive thing. Use the rules. Like, the rules are there to be used. If someone does something incorrectly like this like egregiously incorrectly he should get disqualified it was an absolutely uh correct decision you know mark smith a fair fair play to him he didn't bottle it he took his time he covered up the mic he you know played the game a little bit but in the end it would have been easy to call that a, you know a no contest or something like that and people would have given out about it and stuff but the dq was right um how, how did you see it did you think he handed up more than more than me or what way did you see it yeah, well, I think he definitely, you know, did the smart thing. And, you know, uh, they say the the shot you're not expecting or you don't see coming is, is always more impactful. And it, it definitely cracked him. Like, there's no doubt about that. And it's a completely illegal strike. He was he was warned right before. So on on Sterling's um, side, it would be, it'd be stupid to, to try and continue. Your, like, the fight's already kind of turned against you. And you get hit with this big illegal shot that's just, you know, there's no doubt about it. It's just completely illegal. He, he, the, the ref had warned him it, I don't see any problem with what Sterling did like you know, you know you mentioned the the Kiefer Crosby one where the guy basically fucking stuck on a neck brace and was carted away and all that's a bit much like but <laughs> that was hilarious. you know what I mean <laughs> that's a, that's way over the top but uh you know you're you're more than you know winning your rights to to not continue if you get hit with a big illegal strike like a big knee to the head by a by a tough guy when you when you don't expect it when you think you're safe and you just get hit with that it's definitely um it's definitely a, a huge impactful strike that would have impacted his his ability to fight so yeah he he's the deserved winner even though it's a you know a very strange way to to win and especially a very strange way to win the the, the UFC belt for the first time yeah I think it was one of those ones as well like let's say after the fight he'd been able to continue it probably would have been two points taken away for uh Yan which at, so at the end, I believe two judges had it for Yan and one had it for Sterling. So if that would have happened, it was twenty. And I'm doing this in my head because I haven't thought about this before. But it was twenty nine twenty eight. Um, at the end of the third round, to Yan and two judges scorecards, if I'm not mistaken. So that would have made it twenty nine. Uh, no, that would have made it twenty. So twenty nine twenty eight, twenty seven twenty eight to Sterling on two of those cards, and then Sterling. Uh, even for 29-26 on the other card. So, you know, it probably actually, even if the fight had kept going, it might have been a draw or it might have been, you know, maybe Anne would have finished him. But if Cernan could have kept going towards the end, obviously there's two rounds there as well to get that back for uh, for Yan. But <clears throat> it would have been, it, it, like, it's not the case of uh, he just took the win because we forget about the points being taken away. So it's uh, <clears throat> it's an interesting one. But, like, yeah. yeah, I was I was surprised the judge like I don't know what round what rounds uh, that judge was given Sterling because uh, the first round was close. Yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was, I thought it was pretty clear for for uh, for Jan, but obviously it doesn't really matter now. So uh, you know there was a, there was a couple of couple of strange scorecards I thought last night. Mm-hmm. We'll get yeah. on to them. Okay, we'll get on to that. Um, what do you think of the rematch? Do you do you think the the best thing is to make the rematch next Jan? Would Would you fancy Jan? Yeah, I think uh, I think the rematch is is yeah the way to go. Like if it's if it's straight away in a couple of months, you probably think Jan is is the 
the big favourite, but mm. you know, um, Sterling did he did he perform kind of up to his up to his potential? I don't think so. You know, he can, he 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 can be better than that. We've seen him being consistent over the years, so you never really exactly know what you're going to get from Sterling in terms of performance. Um, you know, everybody can have a bad day at the office or whatever, but I think he's had like you know inconsistency problems throughout his career. Um, like when he's on, he could definitely he could definitely beat Jan, but I think yeah, Jan would have to be a, a slightly bigger favorite than he was this time. Yeah, yeah, I w- I would probably agree with that. Um, look, we both picked Sterling coming into it, and I don't think I'll be getting Sterling the next time to be honest. Although I still think there are ways he can win, especially as I mentioned, if to, if it's a bigger cage and if he can play a longer out game, but tough to do against Jan I was talking to a few people about it after the podcast last week um where we kind of mused about that that wide out game plan and it turns out he he wasn't a, it's not that he wasn't able to do it I don't think he even tried to do it to be honest but maybe it was because of the smaller cage and other things like and, and I actually the point there you made about Sterling showing up and fighting different ways he fought well at the start but I actually don't know that he fight well in the right way, now that's easy for me to say, fucking sitting here, but, like, he fought well in kind of boxing range, he was, he was kind of kicking from boxing range, and boxing into, into that range, I suppose, but if you're fighting Yan, and you're in that range, you're already losing that fight, you know, okay, you could knock him out, or you could hurt him, and Aljo did a few times in that fight, but, you're, you're given that advantage, to Yan when you're fighting in his realm and I think if Yan or if Sterling has a chance to win the next time I think he can't do that I think he and he needs to be more varied with his takedown attempts they were just so bad like re, his takedown attempts were so so bad and we see you know he took him down like once maybe twice against the cage so he can he can do it but He's going to have to be more reactionary, I think. Fight on the outside, let Yan come into him, and then attack with takedowns from the back foot, from the cage. When Yan comes in, throwing kicks or something like that. But Yan, I think, has shown in that fight he can stop the takedowns a lot. Um, Aljo will get more desperate room, which will play into Yan's game even more. And you know, the next time it could be uh, it could be curtains for him as well. So there's the, the problem. Then is Corey Santagen has kind of put himself as number one contender for that belt. Um, and now he's in limbo. So I think a lot of people are talking about Sandhagen versus Dillashaw. I don't know. Is Dillashaw coming right back into that fight the way to go? But that's a good fight. Uh, I'm not sure about Dillashaw getting a number one contender fight straight away. I'd rather see him go down and fight you know, someone else. And then come up and fight a Sandhagen. But however, if they're doing that fight, do it in the same card as the, the Sterling-Yan rematch. And uh, let's, see, uh, let's see how it plays out. But sure, anyway... Um, we might as well talk about Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson next, and then we'll talk about the uh, the main event. So, uh, it was <laughs> it was pretty standard, I suppose. The the funny thing about this is, if you want to like talk yourself into making this an e- an even enough fight or a a fight we can even discuss before it, like Nunes. She didn't look in the best shape in the world, literally. And I think she was even said that herself. And after her last, or maybe two fights ago at 145, there was that video came out of her trying to, like, zip up her jeans. <laughs> She's like, I'm never fighting at 145 again. <laughs> I don't know why I did a George St. Pierre accent there. But, um, like, 145 is 
definitely miles above her preferred weight. And I, I actually think she could make 125, but we'll see about that in the future. But And Anderson is a, you know, a genuine 145-er, but they came out. And Nunes was kind of looking at her for the first few seconds and thinking, oh, she's big, what am I going to do? And I thought she was going to go in, go in on a single leg, try to kind of push her back, take her off her feet, you know, use the kind of the, the low center of gravity to beat her. But she threw one right hand, didn't land, threw a second right hand and landed. And the fight was basically over at that point. Um, it, it wasn't that it was a big concussive blow. It wasn't that it was a perfectly landed shot. But you can see the effect it had on Anderson. And the second one that landed, Anderson had no answer for it. And when I say no answer, she was like literally not even intelligently defending herself. You nearly could have even stopped it at that point because there was nothing coming back. And from that point on, like Anderson tried to move forward and you could see her leg just like slipped forward and fell as Nunes was hitting her. And Nunes ended up on the ground. Um got in uh, got her back tried to land some ground and pound tried to finish her anderson i thought did well there she survived and she moved um but nunez was just too much got the inverted triangle from the back got the arm bar didn't tap initially megan anderson but then amanda nunez changed it to the ronda rousey and katzingano arm bar around the, the back under the underarm uh, and pulled on it and you know I think it was I don't know if it was a more the triangle or the arm bar because it wasn't fully cinched she wasn't fully pulling on it by the time Megan Anderson tapped but I think Anderson knew what was coming anyway and uh, basically that was that what, what did you think of the fight Graham any uh, any added insight on that fight or was it just uh, the same as me and Ar- domination arm bar arm bar arm triangle we kind of talked on the betting show. You, your bet was uh, Nunes by submission, and I was saying, yeah, it could happen. But I was thinking maybe, uh, you know, it might just be a, a quick, quick TKO. But uh, yeah, and you know, we, we mentioned before she wasn't in the greatest shape, but the the gap in quality uh, everywhere in terms of martial arts skills between Nunes and nearly everyone, including uh, uh, Anderson, is just is just too big to to overcome. Like you were saying before, if 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 Anderson was to win, it would be the biggest upset upset in the in the history of the UFC. Yeah, and you could see by the 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 second the fight started, basically a few seconds in, um, after the first exchange, you could see it was only going one way, and there wasn't going to be any big upset. And basically, Anderson had nothing for Nunes, and I think I think uh, you know, it's all a bit it's all a bit easy for Nunes there. Maybe that'll come back and get her you know if she's not in shape and she comes in against somebody and who turns out to be a, a lot better than she thinks maybe that'll cause her trouble but i don't really see who who's going to do that to her uh in the near future anyway yeah like the the thing about this as well is if like i, I called it perfectly i said she was going to get the knockdown she was going to get the submission so i have fucking credit to me but um it, it was one of those ones where I think Ariel tweeted after, I had no problem with this, seeing her coming in here, just smashing someone getting paid. And I didn't either, to be honest. I like these sort of fights in these sort of divisions where there aren't many challengers, or no challengers, as we say in this one. But I think it would be the stupidest thing ever to actually shut down this division and take that belt off her. Like, it's easy to call Amanda Nunes the champ champ. You know, she's the one that um, defends these titles over and over and over again. Why would you take that away from her? Just give the next person, whoever it might be, you know, build a couple of people up and give them title shots and let Amanda Nunes smash them. Like, 
she is a star. Treat her like she's a star. You know, treat her like she's some pro wrestling star that goes in and squashes people every so often. No problem with that at all. Now, she needs some big fights and big hard fights as well. I thought it was a crying shame that Cyborg went to Bellator and they couldn't have done that rematch. Although I think Nunes would have, would have won it again. Um, it's not going to be too long until the Valentina Shevchenko fight is made again. Now Valentina is fighting um, shortly here against uh, Jessica Andrade. Which is by no means a gimme. I suppose it's probably the, the toughest fight uh, she'll have in a while. But if she does win that fight... You know, the next you're looking at is um, um, Joanne Calderwood and Lauren Murphy. So she'd probably fight the winner of that. And then you're probably looking at it again. So in a year's time. Now, Nunes has uh, Juliana Pena, who looks like she's fighting next. Because Holly Holm apparently fell out of their fight that was supposed to happen. Which I think is a blessing in disguise. Because why are you killing a contender by putting her in against Holly Holm, who will probably beat her? Put her straight into the title fight against the man in Nunes. Makes absolute sense. Pena's a good style, you know, a good wrestler. We've seen wrestlers take a man in Nunes down in, in the past. Let, let's try that. Oh, Nunes is going to destroy her, obviously. We all know that. But let's have that fight down the line. Let's have the Shevchenko fight. And even further down the line, let's have the Kayla Harrison fight. You know, Build her up. Give her another year. Give her another 18 months. She's improving all the time. She's big. You know, She fought at 155. 155 is the way she wants to fight at. She obviously came down to 145 to fight Invicta there recently, so she can make that weight. So that's the fight to make down the line. So keep building up Nunes, have a plan for her, and uh, just treat her like the star she is. She is the greatest woman we've ever seen, less up a pair of gloves. There's no woman ever around that weight anyway that could beat her in a fight. Uh, and it's a joy to watch her fight. I, I love watching Amanda Nunes. That cyborg fight is my favourite fight ever. And, uh, you know... Uh, we, we need to appreciate her, I think, a bit more. And uh, this was another uh, showcase of her brilliance. And look for Megan Anderson. She came in there. I suppose she was game. She threw her shots. And uh, she played her <laughs> She played her part, unfortunately, for Megan Anderson. But however. Um, right. The, the, also, do you, do, you think, do you think there's anyone, Graham? Is there anyone in any of the divisions outside, inside of the UFC... <laughs> who could touch Amanda Nunes? Is there a, is there anyone? Nobody's shown it yet. Maybe there is somebody there who's who's you know up and coming a prospect that can can put it all together. But at the moment, like in in the foreseeable or the foreseeable future here coming up, I don't, I don't see anybody. Um, you know, she's been dominant now for for a few years, and when you look at you look at the the ease of her victories, it looks like you know. Looks like she, if she wants, if she, if she can keep, um, you know, the same motivation, and she still wants to to do it, she she can rule for many years and set records if if uh, if she wants. Yeah, but like, looks at things. You never know who's going to come mm-hmm. along, though. Like sometimes, you know, out of nowhere, somebody will 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 uh, will rise, and you know, we've seen that happen before. But yeah, I, I, nobody comes to mind. Nobody even you can really make much of a much of an honest case for. Yeah, looking through the division here, like she's already beaten Holly Holmes, Jermaine Durand and me, already beaten Shevchenko down again. You know, 
the only one she hasn't fought who I think might give her a couple of rounds is Irina Aldana. I like Aldana's style. She's long. She's a good boxer. Um, Nunes would probably end up taking her down as well, or maybe even from a knockdown. But that's a fight I'd like to see. Although Aldana isn't, you know, one of these ones who wins like ten fights in a row, you know. So maybe, but she, I, I think she will eventually put herself in that position. That's a fight I'd like to see. Not saying Aldana would win or anything, but you know, other than that, it's hard to see anyone. But that's how good Amanda Nunes is. She's cleaned out the division, and she's almost cleaned it out twice at this stage. So. That's the that's the joys of it. It's but there always will be someone, as you mentioned. You know, you know, we thought Anderson Silva was gonna reign forever, and then here comes along Chris Weidman. We thought Aldo was gonna reign forever, and here well, comes along. Anderson ruled until he was nearly forty, so it wasn't yeah, it wasn't true. too bad. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. He did a good job. So I'm very him. Uh, I did that. We had the main event: uh, Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blahovic. Yet again, Graham, you picked again yeah, against Jan Blahovic, and Jan Blahovic went out and won. Um, not the most exciting fight in the world. I'll just run through it quickly. Uh, round one, I thought Israel was touching him up from the outside, but not much landed by either guy. It was one of those rounds where I was looking, I was like, how would you score it? And I was like, almost effective aggressiveness because there wasn't that much landing. Or I hate the fucking phrase. Ben Carnage will probably kill me if he's listening, but volume. You know, he just landed more strikes. Obviously, and then he didn't because when you look at the strikes, that. but to me, like the... The, the the jabs and the bigger strikes, not just like maybe little, little pitter patter ones inside. I thought he landed the more effective like cleaner, of those. Yeah. Work, yeah, but it was close. It was absolutely like when I'm thinking of going to the the secondary scoring system, you know it's unbelievably close and go either way. But I just thought Easy was a little bit better in the first round, but it was close in the second. Uh, Easy looked good from distance and he was landing some more strikes but then Yan kicked to the body landed a lovely right hand after it and from that point on I think Yan was ahead of that round landed the more immediately impactful strikes um, and I don't think there was any doubt about the second round I think Yan definitely won that one uh, in the third there was that mad exchange early another one again that it was like who got the better of that and when you look at it afterwards I thought it was Adesanya pretty clearly but you know if you're on one side of the cage and the other side of the cage and you didn't see like his face or didn't see the way he kind of moved after it uh, maybe you could have given it to Blahovic it was all uh, little things no? yeah I, I, I thought the third round was, was pretty clear for Me Adesanya too, like yeah. I was very surprised with the I think it was one judge was it one judge went uh, yeah, Blahovic judge, in that round I think that's yeah. a that's a bad round yeah I do as well it was very close yeah but I, I do think I think it was just Camillo gave the second round to Adesanya and gave the third round to Blahovic and the other judges had it 4-1 with the third round going to uh, Adesanya so two of them got it right as well and I would agree with that that wasn't the best in the world um, you know, the end of that round as well Yan got a bit of a clinch didn't do really much with it and I definitely thought Adesanya won that and in the fourth and the fifth were basically kind of rinse and repeat I thought it was relative, relatively even on the feet in both rounds with the fifth round, I think Adesanya was further ahead on the feet. Uh, but then Blahovic got the takedown in the middle of the cage and did well enough with the ground and pound on both rounds, especially in the fifth, uh, to win both rounds. Like the fifth one, yeah. I think two judges gave it a 10 8. I wouldn't have given a 10 8. I didn't yeah, think it was a 10 8. But. When the scorecards got read out, I was thinking, like, what, what, who, what round here? Because, uh, yeah, there was no 10 8 in there. Um, and two judges gave it, which is, which is surprising. Like, you know, but. You know, um, I think I think the right guy, you know, won in the end, but I think it was a 48-47 fight and 
you know, uh, those scorecards were a bit all over the place. I wouldn't say they were all over the place necessarily. Like a ten eight, a ten eight, like yeah. that's just mental. Yeah, I don't think it was. I have watched it back, but I don't think it was a ten eight either. I like and that it. third round. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that third round I thought was pretty clear as well. Like I think uh, that judge, I think he gave a ten eight and he gave that round the wrong way. So yeah, I think he had a bit of a yeah. dodgy night. Kimi just not had the best record lately. He's had a few of those. One, you know, you once where you look at it, it's like 29, 28, and like, oh, yeah, all judges agreed. And then he's actually given, like, you know, the second round, and the everyone else rounds, is given the first. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> he's got to the right score, but he's done it the wrong <laughs> yeah, way. It has happened a couple of times. But, yeah, look, overall, if I thought it was um 48, 47 fight as well, but the might kind of round to make it 49, 46 would have been the first round, which I mentioned was unbelievably close. So, when the scores got read out and it's 49, you know, we have three 49s basically, and then a 46 and two 45s. When when you see that, you know it's a 10-8. And, like, I don't want to dwell on the commentary here or anything. We'll get into the fight more in a second. But the, the, the fact that those cards get read out, right, and the commentary have no idea how they possibly could have gotten to those scores is, like, ridiculous. These are guys... Who have been around for years, and uh, do you know what? I'm. I, I might expect me to take shots at Carmia and um, and Rogan here, but I I would actually nearly blame John Anik more than anyone else because they kind of put it to him, and he was like, I don't know, I don't know, and just ignore. Uh, Rogan was pretty bad. Oh, uh, well. Rogan, but they were all bad. Like, but it's weird as well. My timeline has become a sounding board for hate for the commentary team, and I have been trying not to do it as much recently, because it's like I can't. You can't get away from it. Like they're just. They're so bad, and you just can't, there's no, it feels like there's no end in sight. Like, if you don't like a show or a podcast or something, you can just kind of stop watching it. Whereas with the UFC, you have to kind of watch it, and you have to have the sound on, because you need to hear the strikes, and the impact of the strikes and all, and then that shit is in the background. It's like, and I didn't think they were as bad last night overall, and I, I think it's because I've kind of been able to, uh... <laughs> <laughs> to blur them out of my head a bit but zone it out yeah yeah oh after the main event the, the scoring it's just like in, i was in, you'd almost be incredulous watching it's like how can you not 49 46 is a 4-1 fight we've seen it for years and years and years if it's 49 45 it's a 4-1 with a 10-8 in there like you can discuss yeah. it where the 10-8 is well, I like, didn't you know i think head. yeah yeah, I think maybe the, the fact that, you know, there wasn't any 10-8 there might have thrown them off a bit. But, you know, they're not, this isn't their first rodeo, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they should know by now. It's not that complicated. Like, it's it's three tens, three nines, or, you know, uh, usually it's, it's there's not that many variations, <laughs> basically, that you can, you can have. Like, it's not like, uh, mm-hmm. it's not... Uh, I don't know. You think somebody would be in their ear and just say, "Yeah, it's a ten-eight. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just a and Carmia, the director or something. Carmia as well was like, "Is it a nine-nine? And I'm like, uh, "Where are you getting a fucking nine-nine from?" <laughs> I think it's a six-seven. <laughs> oh, it was just ridiculous altogether. But anyway, look, I th- I think everyone. It was weird because usually we see fights like this and they're close, and especially for a guy like Adesanya who has lots of people who love him and lots of people who don't like him. Jan is, you know, less so. There's some people like Sean Dini out there, even though he picked uh, Israel Adesanya to win, who who love uh, love Blahovich, but not as fervent a fan base. Although I, when I scored the first round for Adesanya last night on Twitter, I heard a lot of polls at me. So, so there is that a bit as well. But 
you know, usually when there's a fighter like that, or, you know, whoever it might be, a John Jones or a McGregor, and, you know, and the, the decision goes, or a Diaz, and the decision goes far against them, you hear a lot of it. You know, it's all over Twitter, and the people, you know, you know going hobbery and everything. I didn't hear any of that last night, to be honest. And you usually, like, my timeline would be full of it. I didn't hear any of it. I think most people, almost everyone, saw Behovich winning this fight. He thought the right guy won. Um, which is, I suppose, testament to, to how Blahovic fought and how he won the fight. Like, it was it was one of those fights where you look at Adesanya and the way he performed and say, what could he have done to change and, and fight better? And I think the only thing maybe he could have done was throw more shots. You know, we, we looked at that first round and he's jabbing him from the outside and he's trying to be, like, the most intelligent fighter in the world. Do you think... Do you think he was yeah. having like fun fainting him? I know they they played it up a, like a, too much on the, the mm-hmm. commentary. I thought, but he he was very effectively fainting, and you know I think he maybe uh, um, did a bit too much of that early, and then got away from it too much as the fight went on. You know, um, I, I don't know if it was anything mentioned, um, but he seemed uh, the commentators mentioned at one point. I don't know if he said anything about it uh, in the press conference or anything, but he seemed to be like pawing at his hand or kind of mm-hmm. you know uh, is, something. Yeah. Something happened, I think, to his hand. He he didn't. I don't think he. I don't think I saw anything about it. I I I, I didn't like search for it or anything. But mm-hmm. something seemed to miss there, and that and maybe that kind of played into it a little bit. But you know, yeah, uh, I can't look past Jan. You know, he's he's. This is. I think this is the biggest win of his career. Even though you know he's obviously a UFC champion and all that. Mm-hmm. Just around the circumstances of Jones kind of walking away and everybody being like, ah, yeah, but. Jones, you know what I mean. Yeah. Now, now he's like legitimized and 100%. he's he's gone out there and shown, you know, he's he he may be like kind of awkward and clunky or not clunky, but um, I don't know what, what word you have for it. Unorthodox, I suppose, is the best word for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's effective, and he showed that against an extremely extremely high level striker in Adesanya. You know, uh, Adesanya has basically every nearly every striking tool in his arsenal, and he he got outstruck in the end by. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he got well. He got out MMA. It was pretty even in the striking, but the 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 takedowns that Jan was able to to mix in and Adesanya's kind of inability to create a scramble or to explode up uh, against a bigger guy definitely definitely played into it. And I think maybe it was you know a lot of people were expecting Jan to go for takedowns earlier, but maybe his plan you know to to tire out Adesanya a bit and then get the takedowns yeah. in, in the later rounds proved to be a really good game plan. Yeah, and he pushed him against the cage a couple of times. I think a little bit later than a lot of people expected, but I think that helped as well. You're 100% right. I think because he was more tired, it was easier to get the takedowns. Used his size to get the takedowns as well, because if I'm not mistaken, just think about it, there are two body lock takedowns in the middle of the cage, which obviously, you know, I'm no fucking wrestler or anything, but I assume being the bigger guy by maybe 20, 25 pounds is going to help in that position. And just, I have to make a point as well on your... Um, the, the very good point you made about faints there. Like, it's all well and good, you know, watching back the fight 67 times like Luke Thomas and loving these faints and thinking, oh, look, he made a move, he made a move. Those are not scoring. You know, the judges don't give a shit about these faints. Yeah. The judges- if, you, if you knock them out after doing all that and yeah. it's highlighted, it looks beautiful and all that, but in terms of impact and scoring, like, the faints are doing nothing, but they're they're kind of moving the guy around as you want or you're getting tells and stuff like that. But if you, you know... If you don't end up capitalizing on them, then it's all for nothing in terms of scoring. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what was kind of the story of the fight here. I think he was like winning because he was landing 
a few shots and a few jabs from the outside. But he was also losing because Jan Blachowicz was coming back and he was landing the more impactful shots. And, you know, when you are... It's a dangerous game to fight, to fight like... And I've talked about this before with the John Jones, but in the kind of an outside game, kicking the leg, jabbing from the outside. If you're not the most powerful guy in the world and landing the big, powerful shots, with the new scoring criteria, the way it's been changed, it's going to be harder to win fights in that position, especially when you're fighting a guy like Jan Blachowicz, who... Might only land three or four big shots around, but they are big shots. You know, they're concussive blows. They push you backwards. And those things stand out for the judges on because of the criteria. And not just, oh no, this is what the judge likes and the judge doesn't like the other thing. No, it's written down. It says it, the more immediately impactful shots score higher. And that's, that's what happened. This was a great fight to showcase how well the uh, revised criteria works. And now, looking at the stats, and I hate stats, but... 10 people fucking tweeted me, so I can't, uh, I can't ignore it, Jan landed more strikes, you know, everyone was saying, Jan landed more strikes in every round, and <laughs> things like that, which, it, it pleases me, that it, the more impactful striker won, and it pleases the people who've never read the criteria, that the person who landed the more strikes won, so it's a win-win for everyone, but it was, uh, it was, like, the, the weird thing about it is, right, like, you look at the Jan and Sterling fight, and you think, Yan, this is the reason Yan won. He took his advantages in this, or well, he didn't win, sorry, but he took his advantages in this area, and this is why he was winning the fight against Sterling. Obviously, we know what happened at the end, but if it had gone to the end or whatever, he would have won because of this. Where is Blahovic? Like, it, <laughs> it was like both guys were kind of just staying in there. You know, it wasn't. No one took the fucking fight by the the uh, the, the balls until. The middle of the fourth round, and Blahovic got those takedowns and landed shots, and he didn't just get takedowns. You know, he landed shots after those takedowns. And if Adesanya was planning on coming strong with big strikes late, he took away the ability to do that because the fight was on the ground. He was laying on top of him for two and a half minutes, hitting him with uh, ground and pound. So, very, very good display from Jan Blahovic. Intelligent. But, you know, he bought into the fence. You can say, oh yeah, he bought him hook line and sinker, but what fucking difference did it make? Israel Adesanya landed maybe two, three big, huge blows. To 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 me, every one of them be big, but to Jan Blachowicz, uh, they weren't in, in that whole fight. And to be honest, it was an awkward night at the office, I suppose, for, for Blachowicz, but an easy one. You know, he won that fight. Okay, it was a close fight on the scorecards and everything, but he won that fight walking away. You know, he really, really did. And uh, it, it shows how good... Uh, Shandini wrote a great article about Jan Blachowicz and where he's come from and who he trains with. And I talked a little bit about that this week. And he has trained with guys like Adesanya before, trained with world-class kickboxers and boxers. And he was prepared, really prepared for this. You might know the guys he was training with. Or, but, like, you see any of the, those guys coming out from Poland and from KSW, there's world-class people training over there uh, and we see him as well obviously from Russia and all these Dagestani fighters we get to Makachev very soon um, and you see the quality of these guys coming up and Jan Blachowicz has it just because he mightn't be the sexiest name or you know fucking playing anime and, and stuff like that uh, he's a very good fighter and a very very effective fighter and I mentioned I, I talked about think, it in the just, just on that maybe do you think part of the reason why maybe he's not as known or not as um well liked is you know something as simple as his name 
it's hard to, for people to remember. It's hard yeah. for people to say. Maybe you know, if he if he had a, a cool nickname like the Style Bender yeah. or whatever, he might he might be um, you know, he more might have Mario Sack and, tweeting him like, yeah, you know what I mean. That's <laughs> yeah. simple things like that. Like you know, it might sound stupid or trivial, but it's not like you know, uh, people will remember like a War Machine, like a, even a stupid name like that. You know what I mean? Um, people will remember, and you know. Uh, uh, like he's kind of quietly gone about his business for a long time now underestimated by nearly everyone including us and mm. especially me um you know um he's like you know his accolades his his streak his his quality of opponents all there so uh, why isn't he kind of held in the same esteem like the, the john jones thing maybe mm. part of it as well that john jones is there but now he's gone out there and beaten adesanya you know uh he can only beat what's in front of him and he's he's done it very impressively over the years so you know hats off to him and 100%. maybe you know little things like that like you know getting himself out there a bit more or you know trying to come up with like something as simple as a, as a nickname or i think that the yeah. polish power thing has kind of helped him a little bit i think people have kind of latched onto that a little bit and it's pretty good but it's pretty generic though you know what i mean yeah yeah like joanna and jacek had no problems with that although she was called joanna champion and stuff and yeah, it's, it, like it is true. Yeah, and, loads yeah. of people would call her Joanna Champion. People couldn't spell her her her, name, her surname, you know, uh, random Zs in there and shit. Like so, she, she people were happy to adopt that name because it's just easier to say, easier to write, you know. Um, yeah, Yanni and, Champion. Yeah. Let's call him. Start calling him Yanni Champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's let the hashtag Yanni Champion. I like it. J i n n y Champion. Let's let's do it. But. uh yeah, and it looks like, okay, like for Adesanya, he's probably going to go back down to middleweight and fight the winner of uh, Paulo Costa versus Robert Whitaker. So fight Robert Whitaker, which is a fight I really want to see again. I, I, like that fight, I watched it back recently. I was like, mm, that's not a fight that I think went the way to probably go the second time out. I think Robert Whitaker is a fantastic fighter. And I think he get him a, give him a bigger fight, a better fight the next time. So I'd look to see that again. And for Blahovic. Glover Teixeira versus Jan Blavich. <laughs> it's a fight like that. I really want to see. This is just... This is just two fucking old lads who are really good everywhere going in there battling it out and I can't wait for it. I, I, oh, I can't wait. I hope they... Like, that's not one I don't think that they'll probably headline on the card, but like, put that on the undercard of... Of, I don't know, a, a Nunes fight or the heavyweight title fight or... You know, I don't know, but it'd be a brilliant, brilliant fight, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. So we'll, uh, we'll uh, see how it goes. Just before we move on, how big? Like, do you, if you kind of maybe I'm asking the wrong person, but uh, is how big is the support for Jan in Poland? You know, we've seen firsthand um, with a lot of Polish people living over in Ireland and a big Polish MMA community how kind of dedicated and ferocious and you know uh, loud and supporting the the Polish people can be, even if they're fighters like you know. A, kind of sideshow like a Putinowski mm -hmm. or even an up-and-coming fighter you know they're kind of like the Irish in that way yeah. so um, maybe like you know he's become this huge star in Poland and we just don't know about it because of the, the lockdowns and stuff you know what I mean maybe yeah I think because maybe he can of, be a big star in Europe yeah maybe but I think because of the lockdowns it's probably harder to, to do it he can't get home and stuff like that like or he can't, you know, he can't celebrate at home and stuff. I, I think it was Sean Denny put like that. He was number seven in the like Polish sports star of the year, which is a big thing because they have lots of good sports stars there and stuff. So people know him and like people appreciate him and things. I'd say so. Like it's hard for anyone, to, I suppose, to emerge as a star after you know he was always kind of a bit of a star, with K KSW and everything. But uh, to emerge as like a UFC star, maybe like a Joanna did, because of the times we live in. But 
Yeah, it's an interesting question. And maybe if we uh, look at the replies on Twitter and stuff, Sean Dini will have told us, or someone Polish listening to the podcast will have told us. But uh, yeah, well, this yeah. was a stacked card, you know, a big card, and I'd say then you know, obviously uh, the numbers aren't going to be anything like the 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 top numbers the UFC do. But yeah. uh, you know, this this could do a little bit better than maybe the average pay per view. And mm-hmm. he he went out there, headlined it in a in a big fight, and looked really impressive and got the job done. So you know. It's definitely, um, if people didn't know about him before, then they know about him now. Yeah, they do indeed. Y'all must have forgot. Um, yeah, so three big title fights and three very eventful title fights, I suppose, uh, in the can. Uh, let's run through some of the other fights here. I probably, did, although there was lots of standouts in this card, or fantastic card, but uh, Islam Makachev just looked like a UFC lightweight champion in the making here. Like, just destroyed Drew Dober. Yeah, I think people were though like, you know, hyping up Drew Dober a bit too much. You know what I mean? People were yeah. saying, Oh, this is a tough fight and like fair enough, you know, he's on a streak and all this stuff and Makachev is, is untested at kinda of at the top level, but I don't think Drew Dober is that top level and kinda of, the fight went kinda of as I expected and I probably thought it would probably end up in, in a in a decision, but a completely dominant one where, you know, he could get takedowns whenever he wanted and that's that's what happened. Um, you know, we just gotta see you know, I think if he fights anybody in the kind of caliber of Drew Dober and similar similar quality, he's going to dominate the way he did here. But it's when he steps up against the very top guys that it's going to be very interesting to see because, you know, for years and years, that 55 division has been absolutely stacked. And, you know, um, he's definitely got roots to victory against a lot of guys, but he has a lot of unanswered questions that would, it's going to be interesting to see answered as well as he as he moves up uh, the, the upper what echelon. What about the Tony Ferguson? Oh, like I think he destroys Tony to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, like Tony's not really a knockout guy. He's taking the fence isn't great. Um his jiu jitsu is like, you know, fancy and all that, but it's not, you know, I think um I, I think Islam will just destroy him on the yeah. if they fought. Yeah, I think you would too, and I think that's a good fight to make because of that. If you want to push this guy to be the next Habib, you know, Habib is in his corner. Um, Champions League expert Habib Nurmagomedov is in his corner. So, uh, yeah, I think that's what you do. I think you push it. Like, as well, like, if you look at this fight, it was very Habib-esque, you know, and it's easy, I suppose, to make the compar- comparison. But the hip pressure, the shoulder pressure, just holding him down, just making it a fucking pain. I think he needs to up the... Uh, ground upon a little bit, but in, if you saw in the second round, a lovely trip takedown. And in the Indian, I got a voice message from uh, Paul Brown over Team Rhino this morning explaining how Do- Dober kind of fucked himself by holding on to the hand grip uh, inside without being able to get anything from it and kind of put himself into the choke. Kind of like a half arm triangle, half kind of Von Flew, um, which Makachev obviously was able to eat up and, uh, and submitted him late in the th- or early in the third round, even. So, you know, a fantastic, uh, fantastic performance from him. Um, opening up the main card then we had Alexander Rakic versus Chago Santos in a not a great fight to be honest uh, 29-28 uh, on two cards 30-27 on another one I think I had a 29-28 given Santos the last round because Rakic didn't do much but this is another one of these fights where it was kind of Rakic just using his distance Santos couldn't close that distance couldn't land the right hand um, was switching stances and when he was switching to Southpaw just to me it didn't work at all and I don't know why he was doing it because like he's his his big shot is the right hand and when Rakic was kind of adjusting or not not so much switching stances but kind of coming in 
and turning his body. The, I thought the right hand was there for Santos and the opportunity to land it was there. And he was switching to Southpaw when that opportunity was there. And he was like throwing right our left hands to straight lefts to the body and stuff. And it's just like, I don't know. Also, as well, I'd be interested. I, I don't know. I think you tweeted about him, if I'm not mistaken. But do you think like Thiago Santos just doesn't look the same anymore since his knees went? He, like, he looks like to me like yeah. he can't move at all. Yeah, he. Like, I thought it was just kind of a, you know, he'd been out for a while and all that stuff. As I talked about, I thought he'd be kind of back to his old self here because he had a quick turnaround. And but, yeah, he didn't look. He didn't have any spring in his step. Uh, he didn't have the same explosion uh, that he that he used to. Um, I don't know if it's it's an ongoing issues ongoing issues with the knees or not being able to trust the knees being in his head or it's just you know he's coming off a couple of losses. His confidence is down and. It's hard to know what's going on, but he's he's definitely not. Um, he definitely wasn't the same fighter that he was. Like you know, racket racket. It was it was, you know, it was really close. You know, that first yeah. round, like you know, you can make a case for Santos in that Absolutely, round, but yeah. but overall in the fight, you could see that it was kind of racket. Was kind of I think if he if he needed to step it up, he could have, uh, but he felt he didn't need to, and he pro- was proven right in the end. It was a risky strategy. You know, all it takes is like you know. Good just to see that first round a little bit different than you think in your head, and then you end up losing the decision. But uh, you know, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought he was, you know, the deserved winner just about. But um, I gave the third round to Santos as well, and the first round, you know, could have went either way. But I think Rakic just about edged it. Um, yeah, Santos. I don't know if he can, you know, uh, uh, if he can recover. You know, if it is the knees, that's the problem, and it's not just a bit of confidence and stuff like that. Um, then. Yeah, it could be, you know, two knee injuries. It's hard to come back from that one in, like you know, one knee injury. We, we over the years, it used to be more devastating than it is now. We've kind of got used to people coming back, but not everybody can come back. You know, in other sports, you know, we see it as well, like NFL, soccer, and stuff. Sometimes an ACL, and a bad knee injury, you can recover and be all that, but you you lose that spring, you lose that acceleration, you lose that explosion, and you know, hopefully, he hasn't, but a. Like something definitely to keep an eye on because in his last two fights he he has looked slow and um, yeah. flat footed. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about Dominic Cruz here in a second because it's a similar start to Ding, I suppose. But uh, just a reminder as well that our fantasy league started up this weekend and um, actually the actually oh god, I was awful. <laughs> the tables are still up then. You're on sixty five five points. You got eight correct picks, which is not too bad. I think I'm on seventy eight or something like that. So not too bad. So if you want to join in the league, it literally only started this week, so it'll be easy to catch back up. Uh, download the fight picks app. Um, Go to join the league, search Severe and May, and we're there. We're actually the biggest league on the app now, so it's absolutely fantastic. People uh, caught on to it very well. We're up to like 150 people on the app or something, so that's absolutely fantastic. Um, and the lads are helping us out as well with some sponsorships, so it's really good. Uh, as, as I mentioned, download the Firepix app. It's a fantasy MMA app. Start your own league as well if you want, or complete head-to-head against other fans or your friends. Uh, Five Picks is available on iOS and Android, and check it out on uh, www.fivepicks.com. So it's like the you know the fantasy uh, Premier League that I'm doing so terribly in this <laughs> this year. Uh, the stats are absolutely brilliant. As anyone listening to the podcast last week probably heard me using all the stats that they have in the app. So if you're making bets, um, I would encourage you to go over and use that app to look at like the stats and look at how people have won their fights and stuff and then make your picks obviously for the for the league as well so um 
We've another big card coming up next week, Bilal Mohammed, which we will talk about after in probably about 10 minutes when we get through the rest of this card uh, against uh, Leon Edwards. So we'll be making our picks for that. So uh, as you're listening to this, throw in your picks for that. And uh, we'll see, uh, we'll give updates in the league and so forth on Twitter. So uh, go to your uh, Play Store, wh- whether you're on iOS or Android, search Fight Picks, download the app. You'll see the, the blue and white logo with FP on it. Uh, go to Giant League and join the Severe Podcast League and uh, get whipped by probably Mark Atwell, <laughs> like not me and Graham because we are absolutely terrible. But uh, however, support the support the lads. Um, uh, Dominic Cruz, Graham, did you? I, I saw you tweeting. You thought Dominic Cruz looked a bit slow, did you? I like to me. I thought Cruz fought a little bit differently in this fight. I think he didn't want to come out and fight the exact same way. So I thought his footwork was a little bit different. I don't think he was like this neo-footwork they used to call it. I think he was doing it in sports more than like the whole fight like he previously did. Did did you think that or did you think he slowed down? Yeah, well, I think he was, yeah, I think that, I think he definitely chose to fight a little bit differently, but I think maybe that was because he couldn't, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a a long time ago that like Cruz was, you know, uh, you know, dominant champion, not really through any fault of his own, more through through injuries and stuff like that. But it, you know, that's his first win in, in many years. Mm-hmm. So you know, he got in and got the job done and all that. And he looked he looked great for somebody in all all those conditions going on around the fight and a big layoff and all that stuff. He says you know, cage rust isn't a thing, but it is. Um, you know, especially that long and the game moves on quick and all. And he's managed to you know come in as an as an underdog and get a pretty comprehensive win here. But uh, I saw some people saying, oh, this is like vintage Dominic Cruz or whatever. And I, I don't think it was. I think it was different. I think he was more hittable. He was a little bit more um, stationary than usual. And, you know, uh, he he didn't need to. He didn't need to. He Like, he got the job done. He didn't need to do more than he did. But I think if he goes up against, you know, the same caliber of opponent at the, at the top of the division that he was fighting in, in his heyday, I think, you know, he's going to run into some problems on, uh, based on that performance. Yeah, I... I definitely agree with you that it was a little bit different. Like, I I think he did it on purpose, but maybe he did it on purpose because of the, the issues, you know? So, maybe which, which came first, the chicken or the egg type of job, but he definitely has adjusted his style. We still see, you know, that footwork and the, the kind of the madness and the uh the kind of the Manny Pacquiao dropping the shoulder running past him and then the arm following behind and he landing the shot, which is still very effective. And... Which he had adjusted even for his like first comeback. Well, possibly his first comeback against TJ Dillashaw, where he was landing more shots, uh, more hard shots, more impactful shots that way. So it was uh, was really really good. It, I, Kenny was definitely hitting him, but I don't think he was hitting him half as much and half as impactful as Cruz. Like I, I was I was uh, speaking to someone during the. The fight, and they were like, "He's Casey's gonna have to land two or three shots here." You know, it was one of those rounds where Cruz was w- the first two rounds. Cruz was winning those two rounds unless Casey landed uh, a knockdown, and but and not just a knockdown, but like an impactful knockdown, and it just never came. So I think Cruz won those two, um, and in the third, then. It was one of those ones where, you know, <laughs> Cruz afterwards, as Ariel tweeted, taking shots at me, the takedowns don't win rounds. And I don't think they did win him the rounds, to be honest. I thought it was a very close round. He didn't do much with either takedown. He won late and won early. But the strikes late from Cruz, I think, were enough. He landed some good shots kind of against the cage and with 
Casey kind of turned his back at one stage and Cruz landed those shots. I had Cruz winning uh, 30 27, as did one judge. One judge had a 29 28 Kenny, and another had a 29 28 Cruz, so Cruz won the split decision. And I can see. You know, I, I can see the scorecard for Kenny as well. If you go through my timeline, I was kind of tweeting as the fight went. It was it was a close fight, but I think Cruz winning was was just the right thing. And look, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him back um, over the next while. And there's lots of bantamweights. It's going to be tough for him to to as you said to beat the top bantamweights in the world. But there's definitely guys in there he can have good fight with, good fights with, and have fun fights with. Maybe even a Frankie Edgar if he's still around, or you know. Whoever it might be around that, Jose Aldo would mind seeing that fight. So yeah, let's uh, let's see how it plays out. Um, Kyler Phillips and Song Yadong. Then after that, um, Phillips was beating him up. Yadong has just an unreal chin, and it kept him going halfway through the fight. Actually, they changed uh, Yadong the, the graphic on the the UFC yeah, broadcast. No, it was, yeah. <laughs> was Yadong first, and then Song because everyone was just taking the piss and. Uh, uh, having jokes with it but um yeah good Kyler Phillips looked good but this was like an open scoring fucking um uh coasting in the third round which was uh yeah if you <laughs> if you want open scoring this is the type of fight you get where one guy just kind of stops fighting in the third round and tries to uh tries to uh you know coast it out and that that's exactly what happened he won 29 28 and on all three cards uh and then we had Herb Dean and this uh no no wait actually we've Askar Askarov versus Joseph Benavidez first. This to me was kind of the changing of the guards. Um Askarov was just better everywhere. I thought he won around two, ten, eight on top all the time, concussive uh, punches on the feet. In round three, Askarov again was kind of just coasting here and it was it was closer, but it was just one of those fights where you're looking a few years ago and everyone was saying Joseph Benavidez was the best fighter in the world who wasn't a champion. And now he's 36 years of age against a guy who's just faster than him, who's just better than him everywhere, punches harder than him. And, like, if you're Joseph Benavidez, you've taken a lot of damage over the last few years. Like, are you going to win a title in the UFC at 125 or 135 pounds now? No way. Are you going to take more damage against faster guys? Like The thing about this is, I don't think 125-pounders have ever hit as hard as they're hitting today, led by Davidson Figueiredo, who's absolutely unbelievable. I don't think it's ever been faster, maybe Demetrius Johnson and Asaid, um, and you're only getting slower if you're Joseph Benavidez. It's a tough run. I'm sure, look, there's fights he can win, especially with his jiu-jitsu is, is top, top notch if you can take lads down and submit him. But at the very top level, I don't think it's getting any better for uh, for Joseph. What, what did you think of his performance in here? Now, Askar Askarov is brilliant, and I think he's possibly championship material. I can't wait to see him fight uh, Davidson Figueiredo to so take absolutely nothing away from him. But Joseph is, is kind of... It was one of those fights where the one guy is on the rise and one guy, unfortunately, is towards the end of his career, the I would game, say. Yeah, the game was just kind of, you know, passed him by a little bit at the very top level. Um, you know, he was he was on the verge for a long time of, of getting that title and just, you know, close decisions, couldn't get it. And, you know, uh, obviously... Uh, um, yeah. You know he's been around for a long time and he's kind of been tipped as like you know he's going to be a champion but it's it's not going to happen as, as you said it's it's extremely unlikely at this stage you know askarov just completely dominated him um we've seen benavidez like you know lose lose decisions before but he he was just outclassed here completely um yeah i think you know uh yeah what was it three three four years ago he had a bad acl injury and mm -hmm. maybe lost a step there as well and 
as you said, like you know, the the division is is stacked these days. Like the the the, the top level guys in in that division are just are just streets ahead of them at this stage. And you know, even if he was to get like a you know some kind of last minute replacement title fight, you know, looking at the guys that potentially could be champion in the next couple of years, I don't think he's beaten any of them. Yeah, indeed, I, I would agree with that 100%. Um, then we had the Kai Cara France Hogerio uh, Bantarin fight. Uh, Bantarin came out and dominated from the very start, got his back. Uh, I had my 10 8 tweet ready. <laughs> Jiu Jitsu. Uh, he was, it looked like he was going to choke him three or four times, landing big, concussive blows from the back, just destroying him. Fight gets to the feet. Cara France hits him once or twice and then hits him with a big right hand, I believe sparks him out face plants on the ground um cara france walk away ko as he's walking away he collides with herb dean does herb dean push him does herb dean move him away i think he probably does yeah and cara france runs to the other side of the cage as he's doing that herb dean looks at bonterin doesn't wave his hand in front of him like we've seen for the last 25 years in the UFC, doesn't go down to stop him from moving around to hurt himself, doesn't clearly stop the fight in that way, and Cara France looks over, and everyone watching the fight is like, what, is this fight over? And Cara France runs over to the other side of the cage um, to land another hammer fist on Bontorin to make sure the fight is over, and Herb Dean stops him at that point. To me, like... This okay. This wasn't the worst thing Herb Dean had ever done because maybe Herb Dean said I collided with him. The fight's over. It wasn't the most egregious, but the fact that there's such uncertainty with Herb in the cage, the fact that he allowed someone to, by his kind of ineptitude in making it clear that the fight was stopped, he allowed. Kai Cara France to barrel across the cage. Imagine if, like, Herb had been the other way around and Cara France had come in and ground and pounded your man who was knocked out. Like, that could have happened. That would not happen if Herb was down on top of him, consoling him. You know, like Big John McCarthy when uh, Jose Aldo gets knocked out. Or I saw, I was watching recently the Luke Rockhold fight where Big John got down in the way and he was in there and, you know, he was consoling him. You hold on to them so they're not moving around, so they're not hurting themselves. Herb did not do that. And if you think it's grand, it's a good stoppage, and, you know, he, he stopped it right after the Cara France was walking away and stuff. I have no problem with that. I think he probably did too. But what happened after that, he didn't make it obvious enough. He didn't do a good enough job of protecting the fighter. And he allowed that uncertainty where the fighter could have taken another blow. And this is by no means the worst. We've seen terrible ones recently. And I, if, like, uh, all we want in, in MMA is fighter safety. And the, we always talk about the referee um, being paramount to that. And the referee being the one who keeps the fighter safe. Is Herb Dean keeping the fighters as safe as they should be in there? I think anyone who's watched MMA consistently over the last even six months would say no. I saw Dan Hardy tweeting me this morning and he said someone's going to get hurt. Like, Herb Dean is going to get... And he's already gotten people hurt. It's not that someone's going to get hurt. He's already gotten tons of people hurt. I, like... I've nothing against Herb. I think he's a great guy. I think he, you know, he he does uh, the courses and he trains people in. I think that's his role now, or move like Big John to to be a a commentator or something like that. I like I've it's not him personally, but there's just he has lost his ability to do the job properly. He cannot do it anymore. And there's too much data. There's too much we've seen over the last few years. Maybe this is not the best time to make the point because this was 
this was a mis- misunderstanding. It was just him making the you know the wrong um, uh, the wrong uh, move at the wrong time. But yeah, it was uh, it was really bad from her. What what did uh, did you think it was as bad as me, or did you um, think Perb is as bad? Well, in in real time, uh, as it was happening, I thought he stopped the fight, and um, I, I uh, like I, I was like, "Oh, it's over." Um, and then obviously, I saw Cara France running across to mm-hmm. to think, "I'm like, Jesus, what the fuck?" Um, but then when you watch it back, it is unclear. You know, he needs to make it clear. Just wave your hands. Just make it clear. It's not that mm-hmm. difficult. You know, I did think I, I thought the fight was over. I thought Cara France knew that in real time, but obviously he was unsure. And if you're unsure, obviously. You know, you don't want to let the the fighter recover or do an Anderson Silva where you're up on the cage against Bisbing, and then yeah. this adrenaline dump happens and all this stuff, and you end up losing the, the decision or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, no no fault on Cara France, uh, but uh, yeah, Herb should have made it more clear. But in real time, I did think that he'd stop the fight. Yeah. So look, it's it's an interest because like Herb, uh, people call him the gold standard, and when Rogan says something like that, people tend to believe it, even though it's absolutely and categorically not true anymore. Um, and I just, I like, I just don't want fighters getting unnecessarily hurt. They're already getting fucking hurt going in. They're baiting the heads off each other. We don't need, we don't need more of that. But sure, however, um, as well at this point, let me just say we'll we will do an, another podcast uh, midweek to preview next week's card and talk another few things as well. And uh, we put that out on Patreon for free, and we might put it out in the normal feed for free as well. So we just concentrate on the rest of UFC two five nine for today because it's kind of getting away from us uh, over the next ten minutes or so here. So um, if you're wondering why we're not talking about Bilal and all of that, uh, we will talk about the rest of that i will put it out on wednesday probably this week so and the q a is on patreon as well on tuesday patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast might even be a two-parter as well because there's so many questions already in so um that's that in the undercard it was like this was a phenomenal card like all those fights we talked about they're great like, take nothing away as well from kai carakrans that ko was absolutely brilliant and Bonterin performed well before it as well it's pity herb and his weirdness uh kind of changed the fight but Askrov brilliant Kyler Phillips brilliant and Cruz I thought looked good as well but on the undercard Tim Elliott looked really really good as well got the, those takedowns in the the second and third round um won the first round as well and got a 30-25 on one card which I believe I scored it that, that way as well um gave uh Espinosa a bit in the second round I think it was where he was like calling him a wife beater and Espinosa was like oh you don't know the full story so that was that was one of the oddest moments we've seen in a while in in the OC but a good job from him and as well if you're an Irish MMA fan I know a lot of you're listening here Tim Elliott in James Krause's gym cha- training with um with James Galler, I saw James putting out a tweet wishing him best of luck the other day or, uh, or on Instagram. So there's lots of good people there training uh, and can be only a benefit to someone like James Gallagher an Irish MMA indeed to, to be training in a place like that. Um, this uh, Kennedy in Jukawu versus Carlos Ulbrook Ooh. fight. <laughs> what a fight. This to me is the fight where we could talk about all our fucking feints and our jabs and our leg kicks and our beautiful technique. But if you have a fucking chin on you and you will not go down and you have the heart of a fucking lion and you keep coming back, there's a place for and you. And you have chins up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, that helps too. But he just... It was fucking Homer Simpson Dredrick Tatum here for a while. He was just taking shot after shot after shot and coming back and throwing these punches where I'm not a punching fucking expert now, don't get me wrong, or technique expert. But to me, having watched fucking fights for the last decade and a half or whatever it might be, um, 
it it didn't look like fucking you know it didn't, it didn't look like Kennedy Glavkin throwing those punches in there if you know what I mean. Um, but they were effective and they landed, and um, you know he, he was almost finished early, but he just would not go away. And he came back and he won the fight in the uh, in the in the middle of the second round. I'm just looking here. It felt to me it was like ten seconds from the end of the third round because this was a bad fucking fight. But uh, absolutely brilliant. Love that fight. And uh, you know, Ulbrook is still a good fighter. Okay, he defends and he got tired very quickly as well. But uh, yeah, I, I like but it's that. Only fight. his fourth fourth ever professional MMA is fight. It, uh, it's, it was a big step up. You know, he, yeah. he's uh, fighting guys that are like one and zero, two and zero before that. Um, uh, and then, like obviously, uh, the contender series, he he fought an eight and one guy and and won and got the UFC contract. So yeah, there's definitely no um, you know, there's, there's a lot of room to improve for him. And uh, he, he had very good moments, you know, as you said, like uh, a lot, of, nearly all other guys at, at that level would have would have been put out or uh, stopped by uh by Ulberg, uh, before he was knocked out himself. And he has, you know. Uh, blueprint there to go back and you know um, improve on that so yeah I'm definitely interested in seeing now how uh, Ulberg looks in the future yeah 100% really 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 good fight another really good fight Sean Brady versus Jake Matthews maybe not the best fight in the world but a good battle and these guys you can see that these are two you know uh, maybe not ranked level fighters for Matthews' side I think Sean Brady is like I was picking this fight and I was like who who has more to kind of move in this fight in terms of like getting forward i think matthews now unfortunately i was a lot of people thought he was going he was a great prospect and he was going to be a guy who would move into the top 10 top 15 and maybe become a champion i don't think he will now unfortunately and sean brady is he a guy who can do that i think he is you know maybe not be a champion maybe not be t- top five but i think he will be ranked i think he will have fights against guys in the top 10 and top five and who knows, maybe he can be a top five, maybe he can be a champion, but he is right there as one of the biggest prospects at Welterbet. A fantastic top game, some very good strikes, looked really, really good, and won um, round two and three with his wrestling. Barely won round three, round one, but he, uh, well, when I say won round three, he got the arm triangle choke uh, midway through it. Uh, so a fantastic display from Ireland's own Sean Brady. And he's definitely, if you didn't see the undercar, he's definitely one to look out for uh, going forward. He called out uh, Bilal Muhammad. He called out Li Zhang Liang. And, you know, I'd like to see either of those fights. That Bilal Muhammad fight especially, I think would be really, really good. They were supposed to fight uh, last year, but Bilal got COVID, I believe. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that can uh, happen again. Uh, Amanda Limas versus Suzadin. First round KO. Lemus looked absolutely fantastic on the feet. Uh, to me, there was another couple of weird stoppages here. I thought this was an early stoppage, even though Lemus was beating the fucking shit out of her. Um, Sousa went down, and you could see her eyes were still there. You could see she was getting her hands up to defend. It wasn't one of those where it was over. Um, so it was a bit of an early stoppage. I believe that was Herzog, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, that was a bit early to me. Um, and then the uh, the medic fight was a bit late from Mark Smith. Medic looked really good. His striking was so slick. Um, at the end, Cruz wasn't giving Mark Smith many opportunities to stop it. It was we had a similar fight last week. Um, 
or a couple of weeks ago who I can't really remember and lots of people were calling it late stoppage and I said no it wasn't really so I, you know I, I do give the referees the, the benefit of the doubt here usually look not the worst stoppage in the world but I think there was it was one of those fights where it was going and going and going and you're looking for Cruz to give you an opportunity to stop it and then he did and then Mark Smith didn't still stop it for maybe f- 10 blows after that um, but however and take nothing away from Medic I thought he was really really good fantastic performance from him and then Trevin Jones in the opener second round very very start of it got a beautiful uppercut uh, knockout against Bautista who came in and was very good in the first round very uh, back and forth kind of first round where both guys were really really good so up and you know up and down the card absolutely fantastic from Blahovic to uh to Nunes to them the mad DQ to Makachev putting himself right up there as one of the best lightweights in the world the crew's coming back yeah it was just a brilliant fight you the old school guys you the new school you the shocks you the knockouts the submissions absolutely everything a fantastic card fight at night went to Kennedy and Ulberg which was much deserved performance tonight Cara France and Medic which you know much deserved as well so absolutely fantastic uh, card up and down um, alright, we have gone 75 minutes almost here, just um, reviewing the cards, so <laughs> that's pretty good, we will do everything else, as I said, on uh, on Wednesday in that other podcast as well, so we'll have a two or three pound and one half pounds uh, podcast then. Uh, Graham, thank you very much for joining me, I really appreciate it, thanks everybody for listening, uh, and we will see you all next Tuesday. And actually, maybe you know where Wednesday is, good luck.